to Top Dog Podcast. I'm Katja. And I'm Adrian. Hello. And guess what? You have come to the right place because... Yeah, as always, because it's all about dogs, all about people that do things with and for dogs. Now I've stole your line, Katja. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because today is special. We have got highlights. Yes. Best of the 15 episodes of this year or last year, depending on when you're listening to this. That's right, because we've been uh, on the stage for about six months now. We're quite young, but we already have highlights. Imagine that, being so young and having highlights. How good How good is that? Well, let's <laughs> check it out and see what we've got. Off we go. This program is rated D for dog. It contains sniffing, scratching and doggy themes. Well, before we start, Katja, because normally we have the top dog hotspot here, and I do have an hotspot for this year, the last one, and I have to tell you that story because it's quite intriguing. Because every year at Christmas Eve, there is a dog race on a small island in the north of Sydney. It's called Scotland Island, and the dogs, they have to swim from Scotland Island to the mainland. It's about 550 meters long. It's been held since 1974 and it started with two ferry captains. They were arguing about whose dog can swim faster. Well, actually, they argued about which ferry is actually faster and then they sort of settled down with, let's, let's uh, have a, have a competition with our dogs. I don't know which one won, but it's triggered this big <laughs> event for the community that the, since then they have every year a dog race and this year, for the very first time, someone wanted to take part with his cat. Oh, no. <laughs> the poor yeah. cat. The cat swim. So, <laughs> some people thought, no, 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 we can't do it because it's a dog race and, and the cat will be in danger because imagine a cat in between 70 dogs. That's how many dogs are, are participating. It, we can't allow it, but somehow he managed that he could get in. And they did the competition. They didn't eat the cat. And no, they didn't. And the cat won. (laughs) No, really? (laughs) Well, with help or without help? (laughs) The cat won within its category because they had three or four categories. So they had the the large breed and sort of medium breed and the small breed. And the cat had its own category. And because it was the only cat, it won. Do you know, Adrian, in relation to the dogs, where did it come? Well, the thing is that well, it came first, but it actually beat many other dogs in the third category, which were smaller than five kilos, because Gus, that, that's the name of the cat, she was 4.6 kilos, and she beat a few dogs that were less than five kilos, so she was faster than other dogs. And the owner, he said, this is not longer a dog race. It's a pet race now. This is the end of dogmatism. (laughs) (laughs) Next year, we'll have turtles, snakes. (laughs) Yes, and elephants. Sharks. uh, (laughs) Farts. (laughs) Did you say farts? Sharks. Sharks. Sharks, okay, they do exist down there anyway, yeah, why not? (laughs) (laughs) They might clear the field a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, let's go to the highlights. (laughs) 
So now, as we promised, we'll bring you our highlights. We've had 15 episodes. We spoke to many people and uh, talked about serious topics and funny topics. So we definitely do have highlights. We do. And that's an understatement saying many people. We did actually talk to a lot of people. We talked to Sassafras Lowry. She wrote a book, Four Dogs, Bedtime Stories for Rescue Dogs. Normally, you know, you, you write books about dogs, but she was actually particularly writing a book for dogs that you can read to your dog. We spoke to Nicole Kramer. She uh, lives and works in Cambodia and Siem Reap. She rescues dogs and she herself lives with 15 dogs and 20 cats. We talked to Laura Greaves. She's an Australian author. She wrote a book, Miracle Mutts, and she calls them all four-legged miracles. So we had a long talk about, you know, why are dogs miracles? It's worthwhile to listen to that episode. And then who else? Kathleen Pressard from uh, California in San Rafael. She does Reiki, Reiki on dogs, and she sort of uh, has the reputation of being the godmother of Reiki for animals. She's also invented a technique, it's called Let Animals Lead, which means you just sit down, do your meditation, and be aware of uh, any dogs around you and let them do whatever they want to do. If they go for a piece or for whatever they do, it's it's all fine. <laughs> and some other people we talked to, which might be something where the dog might lead you, is to a nice patisserie for dogs. We spoke to Andrea from Willow's Pantry, and she does amazing cakes for dogs, like celebration cakes for the birthday. Or you might have a wedding. Who knows? We spoke to Steph Rousseau. She is the author of a book called Office Dog, the manual. So if you wanted to take your dog to the office, there's a few things you should consider before you do that, actually. Which actually is becoming a, a trend worldwide more and more that people are taking their dogs to work and employers do actually allow it because they think it, it adds value to, to the working environment. Yeah, I think it calms people down. It's um, a great thing to have a dog in the office. If you're feeling a little bit lonely and looking for Mr. Right, Lee Isaacson, co-founder of Dig, which is a dating app. We spoke to her and that's something that I have on my phone now, but I must say there is not many people on it in my area. So maybe you might want to install that. <laughs> <laughs> so we might actually have a little listen to Lee. That's our first highlight of the show. Now, does that actually eliminate people that try to cheat? Could I pretend that I am a dog lover and I just want to want to meet someone? I'm pretty or sure that dog the lovers would sniff out very quickly if you're not a real dog <laughs> person. Uh, this is an app that, you know, is very dog forward. Uh, you've got paws at the top that you click on to see the different profiles. You know, it's a dating app with more, even more dog photos, which to dog people is a great thing. Uh, but we very much encourage people to have conversations about their dogs and their dog lifestyle up front. So, you know, we have tips and tricks to help you introduce your dog to another stranger dog in neutral territory, for example, rather than at one house or another. Um, and so, you know, very quickly you would realize this isn't the dating app for you if you're not a dog person. I had a look at it. I managed to log in, even though I'm in Australia. And uh, I did see some nice humans and some 
probably even nicer dogs than humans. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely less uh, sleazy shirtless guys and uh, duck faces. Was this also one reason to come up with this app? <laughs> yes. You know, there's a lot of different pain points that we hear from people on dating apps. Uh, people on dating apps today now spend up to an average of uh, nine to 10 hours a week, and they use three or four dating apps at a time. And so these are people who are extraordinarily dedicated and emotional, spending a lot of time, almost a part-time job worth of time looking for their person. And so they really know what they like and what they don't like about dating apps. And one thing we hear is, you know, no more guys holding their fish that they just caught or duck faces or, or shirtless guys. No more fake profiles. Um, you know, that's a big issue with a lot of other dating apps. And so when we built this from the ground up, we said we want to bring into the fold the passion and commitment of dog lovers, but also try to fix these pain points in the dating app world. That was Lee Isaacson. And she was our very, very first interview partner. And I remember we both were quite excited to talk to her. We had a link a sort of a threesome because you were in Hungary at the time I was in Australia and she was in America so that was she was in the past you were in the present and I was in the future so that made it really special really <laughs> interesting what's her website her website is digdates.com so check it out or if you're in your preferred app store um, look for dig Good. Now, I assume this one was actually your favorite because uh, since you are still looking for Mr. Right. But Adrian, it could also be Mrs. Right. Okay, good. Fair enough. Um, so that was your favorite. My absolute favorite was Marion Wheatland because she has been spinning for over 50 years. And in the last few years, she started spinning dog hair into yarn. And when we heard about her, we, we thought, this is absolutely crazy. How can you do that? Who would ever have the thought to uh, knit a, a beanie or, or a blanket or a vest out of their dog's hair? But apparently there are lots and lots of people out there that actually do that. So we both went to her home and had a chat with her. Because I was just about to say, does a dog owner have to fear you? Because the way you said it, that you take fur from cats and dogs. So it's all... Uh, <laughs> all uh, we, pre are, pre we are sustainably harvested. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pre-arrangement. Yeah. That's a pre-arranged. I yeah. actually had to put up a sign. I, I do uh, 11 days of spinning at the Royal Melbourne Show, and I've got all my dog fibres up there as well for people to see. And I had, I've had children coming up to me crying, saying, you're not going to kill my dog to get the fur. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> so I actually have a sign up behind me, sustainably harvested. Oh, Just, oh. That's good to know. <laughs> when you go on a walk... How do you look at the dog? Do you look at the fur and go, oh, I could spin that? Or do you just enjoy the dog as uh, an no, animal? No, I, I look at the product. Yeah. I, I look at the fur, yes. <laughs> um, Tina, one of uh, the ladies who is my neighbor, uh, I only met her because of her dog. She had a chocolate brown Newfoundland dog. And she just happened to be walking her dog at the end of my street. That oh, oh, I stopped the car. I pulled up and I gave her my business card. And she's now my supplier for Newfoundland fur. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll stop anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying you need a particular length? Yes, yeah. I do. Uh, 50 millimeters is the minimum length. Mm -hmm. It's about as long as your thumb. So yeah, 50 millimeters, around about two inches or so. Does it need to be straight or could it be a curly wavy? No, it can be curly wavy. I have uh, means to deal with that. Yes. <laughs> it's called a drum carter and I just run it through the drum carter and it does the same thing as a comb for your hair, just untangles things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was Marin Wheatland in Baronia and her website is spinningpetsyarn.com.au. The most intriguing fact in terms of dogs to me. I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, who would have thought that that exists? I didn't. Yeah. Now, another interesting and amazing guy we talked to is a German photographer who went viral a few years ago with his dog photos where he throws treats at dogs and they catch it. And then he makes a snapshot as they catch the treat and they look amazing. Some of the dogs have really cute expressions. And I liked that topic or that interview, not only because the photos are awesome, uh, but also because Christian has got a great sense of humor, a really lovely laugh, and he has turned a hobby and something that he loves into his profession. So it's not a particular breed that is important, but maybe the character. Uh, do you get stage hogs? <lacht> Doch, äh, also jeder zweite Hund ist Rampensau. <lacht> ich, äh, aber ich muss sagen, ich bin ja jetzt auch kein, äh, kein Dompteur oder Hundeflüsterer oder sowas. Dompteur schon mal gar nicht. <lacht> For sure. Uh, basically every second dog is a stage hog. <lacht> I have to say, I'm not an animal trainer or animal whisperer and certainly not an animal tamer. It's really because of the treats. I don't have to be strict. I am the nice guy who has treats falling out of his pockets, sometimes even cheese. So most dogs really enjoy it. I don't have to worry about whether I reward them at the wrong time. It doesn't matter. I need the engagement of the dogs and I usually get it. <laughs> falschen Stelle belohnt habe. Das ist, also ich brauche das Engagement der Hunde und das, das kriege ich meistens. Das kriege ich meistens. Could you explain how to organize a photo shoot and what it's like? Ähm, relativ einfach, so ein bisschen wie äh, beim äh, Zahnarzt oder bei. Das klingt jetzt nicht gerade sehr. Ich meinte jetzt den rein organisatorischen Teil, den rein organisatorischen Teil. It's pretty easy. It's like Going to the dentist? Well, that does not sound very nice, not very pleasant. I, I meant the logistical part. <laughs> It won't hurt, I promise. What I like about this uh, interview is that Christian, he didn't want to speak English. He wasn't confident enough to speak English, so we had a translator. And what's his name? Michael Herrera. Michael. He's fantastic. I love him. It's great. So I, I hope we find someone else who doesn't want to speak English to us, and then we have Michael again <laughs> yeah. as an interpreter. Yeah. I think it's quite charming anyway. We talked to Manny. Manny is uh, the owner of Doghouse in Collingwood, and... That's a, a dog cafe, and we were intrigued by that fact as well because there is a restaurant, a cafe, especially for dogs, which means the owner has to be 
has to be tied up outside so the dog can go in and have a good time. <laughs> no, it's not quite that. And it's a busy road, Adrian, remember? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's all set up for dogs. So you take your dogs out for lunch or dinner, whatever. And Manny was telling us about that he actually is organizing birthday parties for dogs. And once he organized or wanted to organize a wedding party, we heard the rumour that you organise dog weddings as well. Oh, right? look, we were meant to have one last year, but they sort of just pulled out. But um, yeah, It wasn't we, a look, good match. No, no, like, um, I think he, he cheated on her. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, got, he got cold feet. Yeah, he got cold, yeah, didn't know what to do. Cold paws. Cold paws. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we do... Well, we had that lined up, but that didn't work out. But, um, no, we do a lot of birthday parties. Um, we do meetups of different breeds. For example, this week on Saturday we've got um, Cocker Spaniel meetup and on the Sunday we've got a Spitz and Samoyed meetup. So every weekend we change them up and it's really fun, you know, get together with different, you know, people and with the same dog and, you know, you can become like friends out of it. So it's a nice little idea that we do. I would like to know, know more about the dog wedding. What was the idea behind that wedding oh, party? Well, we can get married, so why <laughs> yeah. can't they? You know, so it's a bit of... Um, they're allowed to get married. Well, just to make sure it was between two dogs. Though. Yes, it was between two dogs. Yes, yes. It was between two dogs. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know these days. You never know what's happening these days. But yes, it was between two dogs. My mother-in-law does a bit of celebrancy on the side. So I was going to get her involved. And, um, but obviously, like I said, they pulled out at last minute. So. so I wonder if you had a proper wedding celebrant legally. Yeah, I do. No, that was my mother-in-law is. She's a proper ma- marriage celebrant. She's certified in everything. What would have happened if they're divorced? You know? Well, I th- doggy court, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> These days you can celebrate divorce as well. Yeah, oh, so yes. Yes. Well, I wonder, how does it work, the concept? I bring my dog in here. Yes. Taking it out for lunch. um, You bring your dog here. Um, We've got an outdoor area. We've got um, booths that are outdoor. Yeah, of course. And the booths are more for um, when they're eating and for the owners themselves to sit in. And um, or if your dog's a little bit, you know, anxious or isn't getting along with the other dogs, you can just sit in there with your dog. Otherwise, they're allowed off lead. They free range, run around, have fun. And yeah, no, it's pretty cool out here, so... That was Manny from the Doghouse Cafe in Collingwood. And maybe we should introduce these two, Manny and Andrea. So Andrea could maybe do the catering for the next wedding party. That's right, yeah. Well, it's sort of a business relationship that we could um, set up for them. That's a good idea. We'll try it next time. And maybe you have also someone who could do the music. I do. But he is in England. But anyway, he can come over here anytime. His name is Aman Ahmed. He's the founder of the YouTube channel Relax My Dog. And this is a, a most, most interesting and most impressive YouTube channel I ever came across. It's especially for dogs. So if you have to leave your dog at home all day and, and you want to distract your dog or let's say rather calm your dog, have it relaxed, you make the dog watch that YouTube channel. It can watch it all day. It's got nice pictures of dogs, you know, strolling along through the bush or playing in the water. 
and, um, and there's music specially composed for pets or for dogs. Um, this um, YouTube channel is so popular, it has more than 8 million monthly views and streams and more than 1.1 million fans worldwide and more than 150 million monthly streamed minutes. We knew that we were onto something big, but it was such a crazy concept when we started it. It was so early that it was something that we'd have to sit on and iterate for a long time until we found that perfect formula. And um, and I think one of the things for us is that we were putting the content on YouTube first and people were giving us like feedback and we were just empowering our fan base to be like, hey, this is, you know, something new. It's crazy, but, you know, give it a try on your dog. Just let us know what you think. Let us know how we can improve and uh, and and really empowering the users, and and that helped us grow slowly, shall we say, um, over over the time until when it was like 2016, when it just really started, um, yeah, t- taking off from there. And I feel like the impact that we've had is massive. Like in 2018, um, with Relax My Dog alone. It was like I think 10 million dogs consumed content uh, on our platforms, but that's still like a t- our ambition now has got a hell of a lot bigger. We want every cat and dog uh, to, to to be using either Relax My Dog or Relax My Cat to, to help with boredom or anxiety. And I think what is it? There's probably about in the US alone about 90 million dogs are owned and maybe 86 million cats are owned and that's the u.s u.s alone so as you can imagine we've we've only just started i saw in a in an interview that you were saying you would like to become a so-called netflix for pets short version petflix is that still your ambition it is yeah like that that's definitely like our ambition that we want to be that platform that owners turn to to help their um, cat or dog with anxiety, stress, boredom, loneliness. Yeah, we, we want every owner to, to consider us first or at least try us first before they do go on to more expensive things like medication or thunder jackets or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, that, I think yeah we, we want to be the household name <laughs> and uh, people to I guess consider us as pet plagues that was Aman Ahmed founder of the YouTube channel Relax My Dog and I think that is something I'm going to get my friend Robert to try because his dog Naomi is scared of fireworks so for new years this would be great that would be wonderful i I can guarantee for that because it's it's a beautiful beautiful idea and it really works talking of relaxing it's not only important that the dog is relaxed the dog owner has to be relaxed too especially in times when the dog owner is pregnant because it's a an exciting time of your life and your life will change definitely for everybody everybody around you will will have have to go through change even the dog so you have to educate your dog involve your dog like let your dog know that you are pregnant 
And how you do that? That triggered Dr. Lewis Kirkham to write a book. He's a vet in Melbourne to write a book or an essential guide for dog owners who are expecting a baby to actually tell their dog that you are pregnant. Now, why would a dog be disturbed by the fact that there's a new member in the family or, let's say, a new noise source? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, actually the biggest issues that occur with um, with the baby coming is actually all the changes that occur in the household before that baby actually arrives. So often, you know, um, as owners are getting, uh, parents' owners getting ready to have, have their baby, there's often a nursery that, that's brought in. There's new furniture that's brought into the house. The, um, there can be changes that mum actually goes on maternity leave. And so she's home a lot more often and perhaps interacting with the dog more. But then when the baby finally comes, yes, obviously there's the new smell of the baby. There's the new sounds. But there's a change in their routine as well. So maybe mum now has a difficult baby, hopefully not, but it happens, and she's got no time to walk the dog. So the dog's, you know, going stir crazy and may associate the presence of the baby with this change in routine and get upset with that. Maybe the, um, uh, the, the parents aren't comfortable with the dog around the baby and then suddenly the dog finds, well, I was living inside, but now they don't have any time for me and I'm pushed into the backyard, which is quite a common thing. And then we have issues of we're barking in the backyard or howling or we've got separation anxiety or, or lots of different issues. So really the book is about helping owners with that early part before the baby arrives. It talks about what to do once the baby's arrived and is still in the birthing centre with, with mum and then how to do that very first greeting when you bring that baby home and, and meet the dog for the very first time. That was Dr. Lewis Kirkham from Melbourne in Australia about his book, Tell Your Dog You're Pregnant. Now, most likely, if you want to get pregnant, then you might need a significant other. That could be problematic if you have a dog who is really into quality control and maybe discourages <laughs> physical interaction with your potential <laughs> partner, <laughs> like uh, Yopi's dog, uh, who is really into sussing out your boyfriends. The moment a man came into my house, he would put himself in between me and a man. Didn't matter what man. Friends, old man, young man, whatnot. He would circle them and make sure they couldn't come close to me. And I always thought that was a huge joke, up until the day when it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Because I had this man visiting me and we wanted to enjoy some intimate times. And I never had any restrictions on Michael. He owned the whole house. He slept on my bed. He walked in and out. And I, I, I was sort of normal and natural to me. Didn't worry about it. But I had to worry about it that day because he objected to the physical activity. Did you agree in hindsight? Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me laugh, but it didn't make th this particular man in question laugh very much because he just jumped on the bed and he, he didn't bite him, but he got very close, barking at this man's bottom. Right. And then this <laughs> Did man... Did he mix up the bottom with his face? Or? <laughs> no, no, I think he was just uh, uh, taking exception to the... 
to the exercise that was taking place, and he was uh, not in agreement. He, nobody was going to do anything like he saw it as an aggression. He saw it as an aggressive act. So he would stood up, he would stand up, jump on the bed, bark at this man's bottom, and of course this man got up and said, "It's uh, it's me or the dog." And of course, your choice was unquestionable. <laughs> unquestionable. <laughs> I said, "It's Michael sleeps on my bed. You can go." Yeah. That actually happened twice with another man as well. Oh right. Years later, years later. And did you agree with that one as well? Oh yes, oh yes. Okay. He had so actually, he had good taste. He's actually lived up to his name. He was a protector. He was a, guard, a protector. Guard. That was the OP, and um, I'm happy that it never happened to me that I had to encounter <laughs> such a vicious dog. <laughs> I thought that was the cat's job <laughs> to attack while in action. The cat? <laughs> yeah, I hear of stories like uh, cats getting in on the action or interrupting the really? action. Really? <laughs> wow. But, Quite frequently, okay. yes. Well, we are, we, are, we are a dog podcast and not a cat podcast. But as I said before, we had um, funny and heartwarming stories and unusual stories too. One was uh, Nias. He had two little boys, two sons, and they desperately wanted to have a dog. And he sort of said, now, um, having a dog means taking on a lot of responsibilities. I don't want to have that responsibility. You have to look after the dog. And to make sure that you actually do look after that dog, you have to prove it to me for a whole month that you will do so. So they had to agree to the agreement that they have to walk a, a virtual dog for a whole month every day before they went to school and when they came back from school. So they did. And after one month, they said, no, we don't want to have a dog. We want to have a cat <laughs> instead. <laughs> yes, Uh, very good of Nias to come up with this idea because so much better coming to that conclusion before you have the dog. Yeah, that's true. Another regular segment that we have is Dogs in Literature. And Adrian, you have another podcast where you talk about children's books and uh, one of your co-presenters is helping along with that segment. No, she's an expert, actually. She's a book nerd. She knows everything about books, especially children's books, but books in general as well. And uh, she agreed to do some book reviews every now and then. Was there quite a few dogs in classic literature in this world? One is uh, in Jack London's uh, story, The Call of the Wild. His name is Buck, or we all know Lassie. Um, there are many, many other books we have talked about in our podcast and will in the future. So with the dogs and literature, that could be a more serious topic or serious segment. But of course, we want to have fun. So we have the top dog odd spot challenge. I have to say this really slowly because <laughs> it's a bit of a tongue twister. And... We've had quite a few contestants, but it has really proven a tough nut to crack for the dogs to say top dog odd spot challenge because we're having trouble too. We had the idea to introduce the top dog odd spot challenge because we all know that huskies can 
speak, they can say I love you and God knows what else. And we thought, no, we we make it harder. We want a dog saying top dog hotspot challenge. And we were hoping that we could find one, but it was a challenge. But we had some quite interesting trials. Well, my two favorite ones are Adam, to which I must say, I think Adam was so patient and persistent. <laughs> and um, uh, second contestant, Pearl's dog, Tonka, who had a very interesting and maybe slightly too enthusiastic approach. Aji, Aji, say top dog hot spot challenge. You say top dog hot spot challenge. Okay? Aji, say it. Top dog hot spot challenge. Please, can you say it? Top dog hot spot challenge. Aji, Aji. Can you say top dog hotspot challenge? <laughs> okay? Please. Top dog hotspot challenge. Can you say? Come on, please. Top dog hotspot challenge. <laughs> Say top dog on spot. Speak now. No. Top dog on spot. No, don't eat it. Don't eat the microphone. <laughs> Let go. And I think this was the end of our top dog hot spot challenge because Tomka ate your microphone, so we we thought we better stop here. <laughs> But that might actually have been the end of our podcast. <laughs> that's right. So that's it. That, that was the highlights of our last very successful six months. And uh, next year we'll have more highlights, and I can already promise that we'll have a highlight in the next episode because we decided to play a story, an audio book. It's called Pirate the Barking Kookaburra. And as barking suggests, there will be dogs in the story as well. I don't want to say more than that, but in the next episode, we'll have the first chapter of that book. And I'm sure we'll meet lots of interesting people. And if you know of anyone who we might want to speak with, drop us a line at woofwoof at topdog. Dot space. And if you do like our podcast, which we hope, leave a comment because uh, that will alert others that we actually exist. But for the time being, we say bye-bye and say hello to your dog from me. Yeah, and I say bye-bye too and say hello to your um, cat. No. no. To your dog from me as well. 